Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. What incredible truth for us to come together and declare that He is still the God of miracles, the one who was and is to come, and the power of the risen one being Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus is the one we've come to worship, the one we've come to celebrate throughout this season. And today, we're starting not only a new series, but really a new season here at Journey. It's the season of Christmas. It's kind of hard to be sad and have a frown on our face. We're talking about Christmas, one of the best times of the year. But also during this Christmas season, we also have a season of Advent. And, and maybe you've been in church uh, most of your life and you grew up in a more traditional church and you've heard this word Advent before. Maybe you've been at Journey for the last couple of years as we've been going through this Advent season each and every December together and this year is no different. And maybe you, this word Advent's new to you. Maybe you saw an Advent calendar somewhere in, in a toy store for, for your kids or maybe your kids in Journeyland grabbed an Advent calendar and you're like, what does this Advent really mean? And we're going to talk about it for just a few minutes this morning. And here's what the word Advent means. It means the expectation, the coming or arrival of an important person. The expectation, the hope, the joy, the excitement of someone coming who's really important. And I'll give you one guess of who that person is that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Anybody want to guess? Gee, good job. Y'all are so smart. I'm proud of y'all. Good job. But during this season, we as the church, we have this expectation, this hope for Jesus as, he, as we talk about his arrival as a mere baby and he comes to die for our sins on the cross. But here, what he brought with him were four things. And these four things we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Because Jesus brought hope to a world that needed it. Jesus brought peace to a world amongst chaos and he brought joy to those who didn't have any. And ultimately, he brought love to a world who needed it. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about. It's hope and peace and joy and love. And today, we're going to talk about hope. And hope's a really funny word, because hope is one of the greatest things in the world for us to have, but it's also one of the hardest things for us to lose in life as well. And I'll be 100% honest with you. Preachers can't lie on stage, right? If we do, we get in trouble. I had two intros written right here. I was going to say, hope is what Alabama fans lost when they played Georgia yesterday. (sighs) But unfortunately, hope is what I lost as a Georgia fan last night. But it's okay. Jesus is better than football. All right. Somebody else has to win every once in a while. But today we're going to talk about hope. Here's what hope is. Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation. And it's a desire for a certain thing to happen. You have hope in life. You have this feeling that, oh, I just really want this one thing to happen, this expectation for these things. And during Christmas time, hope is really, really big in our lives. I want you to think back as a kid. I want you to go back when you were a kid and think about the things you were hopeful for. Maybe you're hopeful for that new bicycle, that that new pair of shoes. You're hopeful to get that toy that everybody was talking about. But then everything changes when you're adults, right? Your hope is... I really hope there's not a fight at the dinner table tonight or that that one uncle that his flight gets delayed in Minnesota and he just never makes it down to the South, okay? Like, we don't want it. Like, our hope changes from time to time. But let's think about that for just a moment. 
And we talked about Advent calendars a minute ago, and I want to go back to being kids. And I'll use my own kid as an example. I have a, a six-year-old son named Jax, and he's my only son, so he gets spoiled in a good way. But a couple months ago, uh, his birthday was on November 1st. And so I was like, man, what can we do leading up to his birthday just to make him be excited, have some hope? And so there's these things called advent calendars where you open something every day and it's like a countdown to something happening. And during the Christmas season, it's a countdown, obviously, to Christmas. But we had one for him. It was a 14-day countdown calendar leading up to his birthday. And my son is in an incredible stage of life right now, okay? Because he loves WWE wrestling, all right? Yeah. All the dads are like, I know this stage of life. But he would walk into the living room with no shirt on and a wrestling belt and be like, Dad, we're going to wrestle for the belt. And I'm like, yes, we are, son. And I'm going to hurt myself in the process, but it's okay. But we had this calendar, this countdown calendar. And every night before he went to bed, because it would be on his little shelf next to his bed, and he would say, Dad, I really hope tomorrow I either get The Rock or Hulk Hogan. And he wants to open it up. And every morning he would wake up and would get one of these tiny one-inch pieces of plastic. The Rock or Hulk Hogan or The Undertaker or somebody, and he would be so excited and have so much hope for this little tiny piece of plastic. But every night, he'd be like, Dad, I hope I get this or this. And, and right now, he has an advent calendar for Christmas, and it's a Star Wars theme. And it, he's like, hey, I really hope I get Darth Vader at some point over the next 24 days. But he would have all this hope for this one tiny little thing. But when we grow up, we tend to lose the sense of hope for something to happen the next morning. A lot of times we don't go to sleep saying, you know what, I really hope that tomorrow I see Jesus move in a way I've never seen him move before. I really hope that Jesus shows up in the situation that I've been praying for for three years. I really hope that, you know what, what he said is going to happen in my life is going to happen. We lose the sense of awe, the sense of hope sometimes. You know, as we were singing that last song about miracles, it reminded me of our 930 series throughout the month of September. We spent 30 days praying and fasting. And there was a prayer on a wall that will stick out to me for the rest of my life. It said this, I've been a Christian for 37 years and I've never prayed for a miracle until now. Someone found hope all of a sudden. And they were inspired to write that on a wall and they were praying for a miracle to happen. But something happens when that childlike faith goes away and we just kind of forget about it. How can we rekindle that in our lives? Here's what scripture tells us about hope. I think scripture is an important thing for us to look at when it comes to these things. In the book of Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the source, the one who brings it to life, the source of hope. So when you have God in your life and you add our trust, our faith, we put everything into him, we can have true hope. You see, hope in the Bible exists as secure assurance, something grounded, something foundational, something we can put our lives on. We know it's not going to be shaken. It's a trust placed in a trustworthy God. God has not failed us in the past, and therefore, if he claims he's going to do something in the future, it will come to fruition. You see, hope, it waits and it endures in life. It's not flimsy and merely wishful thinking. Hope can withstand fire. Hope can withstand trials. Hope can withstand despair. And hope offers us security that, that God and God alone can bring. See, we can put hope that Jesus will come again. We can put hope in that promise that he will come again one day. 
He came once to die for our sins and he comes again to allow us to live with him forever. And though we can't see him now, we have hope that we can again see him face to face. That's true hope. How do we have it in our lives? That's what we're going to talk about in a few moments. But today what we want to do before before we go into today's message and before Pastor Robbie comes on stage to bring it is we want to pray together. And each and every week after, after we talk about our topic for the day, we're going to spend just a moment in prayer. And what's going to happen is we're going to have a prayer come up on the screen. And I would encourage you, if you would like to verbally follow along with me as we pray together as a congregation, that would be encouraged. And we can have one prayer, one voice, and one heart as we head into this Advent season together. So church family, will you pray with me as this comes up on the screen? Here's what it says. Let's pray. God, as we head into December... We pause and remember all that you've done in our lives, our families, and our communities. We praise you because you are the God who saves. You are Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you that our hope is in you, not in circumstances or people. Because we have hope in you, we are confident that you will fulfill your promises to us. Remind us today of what truly matters Fix our hearts on you. Help us to see how you are working in the middle of our waiting. Draw us closer to you in this Christmas season and prepare our hearts for the fulfillment of your promises. Amen. I want to take something that Caleb said and I want to take it a little bit further if you'll allow me today because I've questioned a lot over my life, 58 years on this planet, of how and why we lose that hope. Um, He talked about a little child and the expectation they have. And I want to do something. I want to kind of prove a point and I want to kind of somehow or another just create a moment here. And I want you to do something. It's not going to be weird or anything. I want you to shut your eyes. Nobody's going to come next to you and give you a wet willy or anything like that, okay? But I just want you to shut your eyes for a second. I want you to go back when maybe you were five or six or seven, eight, maybe, maybe 10 years old. As Caleb was talking about, there's a presence, there's a presence underneath the, underneath, the, underneath the tree. It was that special whatever. You're going to have to put it in the box, what it looks like. And that week before, I remember if it was anything like my house growing up, there was presents being constantly put out during the week. And it would be name tags on them and it would say, you know, to Bobby or Chris or Kim. And it would say from Santa. And, 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 and I want you to be thinking, what was that thing that year, that special present? That, that special thing that, that, man, if you got that, everything was going to be, everything was going to be great. Was it a baby doll? In my house, it was Polly Pockets or gerbils. Was it a bicycle? When I was growing up, it was the drum set. What's it, what's it for you? You go to bed that night before and there's this expectation that when you wake up, that tree is going to be filled with stuff, so much stuff, and some of those packages are going to have your name on it. Now open your eyes. What was it? Do you remember that feeling? That you couldn't even go to sleep. I I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, sitting there waiting for my parents to get up, and we would do everything we possibly could to make as much noise to wake them up because there was this expectation, there was this, this hope. Now, let me go on the other side of the extreme because something happened 58 years into, into this world. I don't have the same expectation. As a matter of fact, I can't wait to go to bed and I can't wait to stay in bed. 
And at this stage of my life, I'm not putting together trampolines and I'm not putting together dollhouses and I'm not putting together bicycles. I don't have to do any of that. I am at a great stage of life. But man, I sure wish I had that sometimes. But it's, it's like this, it's, it's like a story I read this past week of a guy that, that filled up a, his wife's stockings with all these beauty supplies and creams and all this stuff. And so a couple of days later, she's in the, the bathroom and she's putting all these creams and these beautification uh, you know, items on and everything. And, and a little son, eight-year-old son says, mama, what are you doing? So, well, but your daddy, your daddy bought me all this stuff to make me look beautiful. And he's just sitting there waiting patiently. And she starts to take the stuff off her face and she goes what do you think? And he goes, it didn't work. <laughs> and somehow or another, we're between the two, aren't we? She had hope that all of us are going to make it better. And we have hope that there's going to be great presents. See, the greatest thing with Christmas, Advent season, is that it's built in expectation. That for 4,000 years, they waited for this Jesus. Now, 2,000 years later, we're waiting for him to return. There's this expectation, there's this hope. And today I just want us to get a couple key principles as we stack these series together and as we walk through hope and peace and joy and love. And week one, I really want to talk about just kind of the DNA of hope. What does hope look like? How do we get it? Now here's one of the things, if you're a believer, I want you to get this. This is the first thing we got to understand is we always, as a Christian, we always have a reason to have hope. It's built, it's built in because there was this expectation for Jesus to be brought to this planet. And that's exactly what happened a couple thousand years ago. So we have a reason. And, and here's, here's a, it's good to remember that at this time of year because life's tough, isn't it? No? Not for anybody else besides me? And it seems like somehow or another, it compounds itself at Christmas time with the busyness and the parties and, and the craziness. And all of a sudden, that one little hurt and it's stacked with another thing. And there's pain and suffering. And we see what's going on in the world. And we need to know that there's still hope. Matthew chapter 5 kind of draws a line in the sand saying, listen, and, and here's what I thought. When I became a believer in 1983, I thought everything was going to be fine. Did everybody else think that? Did anybody not in 83 maybe, but... I mean, you, you, you became a Christian and, you know, they described it as the weight coming off your shoulders and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you over 30 something years of being a believer, there's a lot of weight on my shoulders still. There's a lot of things that still happen. And, and I often question God. I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to make everything better. And that's not, that's not what's in the fine print. This is what the fine print says in Matthew. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. Like life's tough for everybody in this room, isn't it? We all have our stuff we're going through. And thankfully, because of this thing called hope, we know there's more than what we see with our eyes. That we see things with a spiritual sense, not just our natural eye. And you know what I'm, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you see, you see the impossible things. You see the things that nobody else sees. I think about all the ancients in the Bible, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that were talked about and, 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 and a whole Hebrews chapter 11, all the people of great faith. And I think about, do you know that most of those people never saw the promise happen? They were promised these great things and they never saw it happen, but they still had this faith, this expectation because they were seeing with their spiritual eyes, not their natural eyes. I think of a guy like Moses who was, who was exiled uh, from, from, from going into the promised land because he smote the rock. 
He didn't even enter the promise. I think about guys like Peter. You know, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell. He never saw, he doesn't see this right now. He doesn't know that we are, we are part of his workmanship, this church right here is part of the promise that he had. I think about Abraham all the time. Uh, could you imagine at 90 years old getting a promise that you're going to have a child? I can't imagine at 58 years old, God giving me another child. No. No. I'm t- I wake up sore from sleeping. I don't want to be chasing. Yeah, raise your hand right now. Raise both hands. Like. You know what I mean? But Abraham, he promises, you're going to have a child. Could you imagine him going, okay, great. And then years and years and years. And you remember the promise was your lineage are going to be as plentiful as the stars of the sky. As a matter of fact, if you look through the book of Matthew, there's a great genealogy. There's this list of genealogy, and it goes all the way back to Abraham. God fulfilled the promise, but he never saw the promise happen. How many times for 4,000 years was it prophesied about Jesus and the Old Testament, they never saw Jesus. They never got to see the things we see. They never get to see or hear the, the words uh, preached by Paul or a, uh, you know, a, a, a Peter or, or Timothy or Luke. They, they didn't have it, but they kept strong in their faith. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, if you just go down a little bit, it says all these people earned a good reputation because of their what? Their faith, the substance of things hoped for, but not yet seen, right? They didn't see it, but they hoped it was gonna happen. See, many people, many people out in history never saw the promise, but they believed and they stayed strong to the promise. See, here's what I've learned. God is always, if you want to, you may want to, God is always working on our behalf for his glory. Listen, God is always working on our behalf for his glory. There's millions of little things that he's doing that we never get to see. He is moving us from this place to this place. Uh, A couple couple years ago, I had a really weird situation happen. I I had, so I was riding up I-20 and I had to go to the bathroom. Okay, anybody ever have that happen? And I was like, I was fighting him, man. I'm, I'm going to make it home. We hit 85, 90. I got. I'm going to. I can. I, I could, I, and so I pulled over to a gas station, and a car passed me, and a truck passed me at that moment. That I was pulling off. I get back on the interstate, and one mile up the road, while I got back on, the car was flipped over, and the, and the truck was sideways. And I thought to myself. Million of little things that God somehow or another is orchestrating and putting together and we never see it. We never see it. That's hope, y'all. That's why we need to have hope. As a believer, I have a reason to hope for everything in life, even when it's bad. There's a promise found in Isaiah. It says this, have you not heard? And I love this, one of my favorite passages. Have you not understood? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He doesn't grow weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Watch this. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. He gives hope. When we don't have it, he gives it to us. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find a new strength because of this thing called hope. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, it's built in. 
Let me tell you another thing, and this is something we all understand. Hope is a choice. Hope is a choice. I said this quote a couple weeks ago, and I kind of said it real quick and didn't get a chance to kind of break it down a little bit, but Martin Luther King said a statement years ago. He says, most people are about as hopeful and happy and joyful as they make their mind up to be. I don't know if you heard that last part, as they make their mind up to be. And what I'm finding is lots of people don't want to be happy or joyful. They don't have hope. They wake up in the morning. They look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Some of them are Christians, and that's sad right there. The Bible says, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your help in. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is my strength, but we walk around with a frown on our face all the time. And I'm not saying that... That, that you can't mourn or you can't, can't be, uh, you know, sad because that's not the case. But if we're always that, there's a problem and we have, to choose, we have to choose hope and joy in our lives. Philippians says it like this. I love the intentionality of these passages. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. What's it say? The next three words. Fix your what? Fix your thoughts. That's something you do. You have to do it. Nobody can do it for you. Every morning you have to wake up, you look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know something, I'm fixing my thoughts on these things. And what I love about scripture is scripture says, now this is what you should think about. Now with all the chaos in the world, because it's easy, we can wake up every morning and look at the newscast or we can look at you know, how our investments are doing or how this thing's happening in this world and we can wake up and be depressed the rest of the day unless we fix our thoughts on the things that God wants us to fix our thoughts on. What's it say? True. Is that situation true? Is that situation in somebody's life? Is that, is that comment true? And it says honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And then it says, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, hoping doesn't mean that we, we do nothing. Some people go, I'm just going to hope. Hope. No, there's a proactive thing that we have to do. As a matter of fact, listen to what it says in the Psalms. The psalmist writes it like this. Why am I discouraged? I'm going to make a statement about this in a minute. Why is my heart so sad? He says, I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and God. Listen, there's, I will put, I will put. Now, I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands on this one because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But if you've walked in this place, maybe discouraged. We talked about it up front. And if you've walked in this place sad or if you've walked in this place miserable, now there's certain things that, that make that happen, Right? Like a death of a friend makes that happen. A, a, loss of a, a, a loss of a relationship makes that happen. But sometimes I think what happens is we're sad, we're miserable, we're so downcast because we've put our stuff or our thoughts or our hope in things we're never designed to put hope into. One inch plastic figurines. One inch plastic figurines. Or is it an occupation? Or is it a relationship? Or is it a house? Is it a boat? Is it a car? See, we all put our things and so many times we're discouraged and we're hurt and we're sad because we've put our hope in something that was never designed to have hope put into it. All these things will, the Bible says, will rust and be corrupt and fire burns and all this other stuff. But the one thing that lasts forever is our relationship with Jesus. And that's what we should be putting our hope in. And that's what's the great driver the, the great, like lean into the great driver in this Christmas is the fact that we have a hope named Jesus that came to this earth 2,000 years ago, suffered on the cross 33 years later, died, rose from the grave, and is coming back for his church. That's hope. That's the hope that we have. And so he says very intentionally, he says, listen, I will put the message of the gospel and the message of Christmas, quite frankly, is that. 
The season, this season isn't all there is. This life isn't all there is. I can choose hope and I can choose it for the, this side, John 10, 10, I want to give you life and give you life to the fullest. And that side of eternity. Psalms 30 says it like this. And I, 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 I'm going to say something. I want, it says, for, the, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. And it says, weeping, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes when? Okay. I say this a lot. A lot of times when I'm doing a funeral service or when I'm counseling, you will never, and the Bible talks about, he turns your mourning into dancing. You will never dance over loss of a loved one. You will never dance, well, some of you may dance over a divorce, but not generally. You, you, you're not, you're, you're not going to, that, that, that's not, but you know what's happened is that circumstance, this situation over here, this, this death, this sickness, this, this tragedy, this relational breakdown, we've allowed it to impact everything else in our life, and we never dance, and we stay in this moment where we're never doing whatever God wants us to do, and he says, I'm going to turn that morning, I'm going to turn that morning into dancing, I'm going to turn that morning that weeping into somehow or another joy and hope. And that's what hope does. Listen, I know people that have lost, lost people 20, 25, 30 years ago, and they're still living in that mourning and that grief. And they've missed, they've missed proms and other weddings, and they've missed relationships, and they've missed all these things happening in grandchildren's life because they can't move from this morning right here. And I'm not saying that anybody in this room is guilty of standing or sting, sitting in this moment, but at some point you've got to dance. And some, at some point, it's got to look different. At some point, you've got to trust. And that's what hope comes in. You have to trust that God's going to do what he wants to do in your life. And see, what happens is we get bogged down with anger and bitterness and resentment, and we never move from it. I was reading a story, and you guys probably never heard of Burton John Jacobs, but when I tell you what they own, you know exactly who it is. They own the Life is Good t-shirt company. Anybody ever heard of that? Is it still a thing? Yeah. So they made $100 million dollars off of t-shirts. I am in the wrong business. Million, all it says is life is good. But in their book, they tell the story about how they came up with that. Their mom and dad were in a tragic car accident. They were the youngest of, two, uh, of six brothers, the last two. But their mom and dad got in a tragic car accident. Almost both of them lost their lives. Now, mom recovered well, but dad had um, an arm that was lame. He couldn't do anything with his arm, and he became very bitter and resentful because he lost his job and disability and all that kind of stuff. And so he became very angry in the house, yelling and screaming. His mom made a point, though, said, listen, as bad as this situation is, we're going to look at the goodness. So every night, they would come at the dinner table. Whether dad wanted to do it or not, the six kids would come around her, and she would say, tell me one good thing, one, one good thing that happened today. Um, in, in your life. One good thing. And they would reminisce about a story or something that happened at, you know, in school or you know, maybe something that happened or whatever it was, they would reminisce about that. And, and I, re I remember reading this and this is what they said about their, their, their mother. He says, this is what the mother taught them about this important lesson. Being happy isn't dependent on your circumstances. She showed us that optimism is courageous, choice you can make every day, especially in the face of adversity. It's a choice we make. Joy, joy is a choice. Hope is a choice. Hope is a powerful motivator, but we have to choose it. First Peter says it like this. So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, right? For a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It'd be tested in fire, tested and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it would bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed 
to the whole entire world. So choice, hope is something that we all have. Hope is a choice that we have to make. And here's the last thing, and this is, this is powerful. Hope reminds us that something greater is coming at the end of the story. That's what hope does. Hope, hope reminds me that this is not all there is. Romans 8, count it pure joy when suffering of many kinds comes your way. You know why you can say that? Because the future glory that God has for us, it doesn't compare. That's what scripture says, that the, this present suffering doesn't compare to the future glory. And one day we're going to be walking on streets of gold and all the, all the arguments are going to be useless. One day. That's, that's it. We can't see it. I, I share, you know, uh, Hebrews says like this, the faith is substance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. You can't see it, but it's there. That's the great thing about the Christmas story. The, the one thing is that we see beyond the today. Now, I was reading a story this past week, and it reminds me of something about our house. But there was a 75-year-old man, he was getting up in age, and, and he decided to go plant some fruit trees. And he plants some fruit trees on high on the hill and on their, on their, on their little ranch that they have. And the son was joking with him, like, that's optimism right there. It's going to take 20 years right there for that, that, them to produce fruit. And he goes, I'm not planting them for me. And a couple years later, the dad died, and they buried him on the other side of the hill where these fruit trees are. That son has a choice. Every time he goes to visit that ranch, that he can go to the gravesite or he can eat the fruit that his dad planted. See, that's optimism. That's hope. And it reminds me of this because we have a really cool neighbor in our neighborhood um, and my wife loves these things called camellias. How many people have camellias? And so like I bought her a big one a couple years ago and it bloomed like right away. But this neighbor brings us these, like I'm thinking I want a big one because I want to see the blooms right now, right? Like I want these big ones and I want to see pretty and all that. Don't look, you know, look a gift towards, he brings sticks that are about that tall. And Gene has been planting them all around the house. And I was like, I go, do something and anything, get a leaf on you. That'd be great. Just get a leaf. But she calls me one day. She goes, look at this. And we have ones called Mimsy's bush because it's where we um, buried our dog. Gosh, <laughs> suck it up buttercup. <laughs> it's where we buried our dog. And uh, that was a big one. I, I, and it's got beautiful. It's all, man. And I start looking and she goes, look, that, that one over there. And that one over there, and that one over there, and that one over there. And here's the deal. The truth is, we probably will not be the ones that enjoy those camellias. But somebody after us will. That's foresight. That reminds me of the gospel. That reminds me of what Jesus did for me. He came 2,000 years ago in a cradle. Next week, we're going to talk about trying to find peace at Christmas time. And we're going to go back to the original story. There was no peace that day. I've been around a pregnant woman. There's no peace. And then you put her on a donkey, no peace, right? Don't give her a good soft bed, no peace, right? Gotta, gotta, gotta have it. But it's one of those deals where that wasn't all there was. It didn't end at the cradle. It didn't end at the cradle. That's the great thing about Christmas is Easter's coming, right? That's hope. And the 33 years later, this wasn't that great either, by the way. He was executed. And I'd imagine like, there was lots of people that was like, is this the end? Is this the end? This is all the, you know, we put our trust in him. And then he ascends to heaven after the resurrection. That's where hope came in. 
That's the story of Christmas. That's where our true hope comes from. And so this year, this is my prayer. It's gonna be my prayer every week is that we would find those things, hope, peace, joy, and love this Christmas season. In the midst of all the wanting more that we already have the best. We already have the greatest gift that's ever been given. That's Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we thank you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, I have to believe there's people in this room that today walked in this place hopeless, but I believe we're walking out with a little bit of hope. And I said, I just, I just pray that God, that you would, you would build off of that, that you would continue to use that one glimpse of hope, that one glimpse of goodness, and that you would build off of that this Christmas season, that we would walk through the next 20 something days, 22 days, God, getting ready, gearing up for the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.